0: The Million Dollar Question How do entrepreneurs transition from self employed to owning a business that turns a profit? My name is Chris Waters, and this podcast has the Million Dollar Answer. Welcome to CEO Secrets. Hey guys, it's your host, Chris Waters of CEO Secrets. Welcome back. By the way, if this is your first time plugging in, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You can always check us out live on Facebook in our private Facebook group, Chris Waters Rainmaker Alliance and subscribe on YouTube or one of the many podcasting systems we're syndicating on. But today, I've got a really fascinating guy on the podcast. As many of you know, I've been in the real estate brokerage and investment world for quite some time. And um, we've got a really special guest on today that started one of the probably leading platforms for investors for a done-for-you solution From a lead generation perspective, for people that are looking for investment properties, wholesale deals, and things of that nature, um, I'd like to give a welcome. Gary Boomershine, welcome to CEO Secrets. How are you doing today, Gary?
1: I'm good, man. Super excited to be here and super happy to provide as much value to your loyal listeners as possible. I mean, the whole CEO Secrets is a great topic because many people in our business, they just haven't really broken through on how to truly be a CEO of leveraging other people and giving them freedom of time, right? As opposed to working the J-O-B. I call that just over broke. (laughs) So uh, super excited about today.
0: Gary, you and I have never met or really talked before. And you just found this out before we started the show, but I told you I was a uh, paying customer of REI uh, Vault and you have since uh, rebranded to realestateinvestor.com. Is that accurate?
1: It is, yeah. I've owned real a very long time, but we ended up doing I ended up acquiring slash merging with two software platforms, two very advanced software platforms specifically for lead generation and what I call lead mining, the inside sales agent and follow up for, you know, basically how do you mine for gold on great properties that we can either list or buy and do it efficiently and effectively with as little work as possible. And so we did that the last 18 months, and uh, we're realestateinvestor.com. I think I was actually in preparation. I just pulled some metrics. We've done over 78 million pieces of direct mail for a handful of agents and investors around the country, really focused on the investor side. We've mailed out over 350 different unique pieces. And we're really good at that piece of the puzzle. And then I've got a very large phone team that actually does all the ISA phone follow-up for a lot of our members. All the screening, not necessarily answering the initial call, but all the phone follow-up and screening and qualifying and teeing up appointments, which is so important. So we can talk about that. We can talk about building a business that works for us, not opposed to us working for the business, which happens for so many entrepreneurs. So yeah, we'll have fun today.
0: Well, I want to, I want to ask you some questions about how on earth, well, let me give some people context. So I got referred to REI Vault, now realestateinvestor.com several years ago, I signed up as a paying customer. And um, when I was going through REI Vault, I was just, I mean, blown away by how automated the entire process was in terms of you know how you sign me up as a customer. You do a discovery call. You help identify the areas to target from a marketing perspective. And um, if I remember correctly, it was it's all set up through Infusionsoft and automated through Infusionsoft. How did you learn how to do that? And uh, do you think it's it's practical for somebody in a with a real estate team or brokerage to be able to set up that same kind of process using Infusionsoft? Is that is that a real? Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, I don't like Infusionsoft in the real estate agent or real estate investor world. Infusionsoft is really a info marketing, you know, all the lead generation for most of the guys selling courses and books and coaching. It is it is a we call it Confusionsoft <laughs> been around a long time, but yep. there are better platforms, push of a button platform for us on the agent side, you know, the brokerage or on the investor side. And, and, and so, you know, it's really kind of, don't try to, in this business, you know, King Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. And so many people try to reinvent the wheel. It's, you know, we're in a technology world and real estate is catching up fast. Historically, the real estate world has been about 10 years behind the times versus everything else going on in technology. And but there's been a massive catch-up. I think a lot of the, inve- the agents and the agent teams have realized that the competition from the iBuyer platforms like Zillow and Open Door and OperaPad are changing the the way that the business is done. So we're finding we're finding a, a very large number of agents and agent teams coming over because they wanna they see us, real as a way that they can compete against the iBuyer platforms. That, that was, by, a, by the way, a fluke. That happened for me in New York City about two, two and a half years ago uh, when we were invited to speak at a conference called RATE, Radio and TV Experts. And a couple of the, we didn't even know, I, I met the clients there and they called us their secret weapon. Because historically real estate investors and real estate agents have been very different in terms of like the niche that we go after, our approach to interacting with sellers. And I think there's a convergence right now where a lot of the hybrid agents are actually needing to offer better solutions to sellers to compete and to survive going into the new millennium, this post COVID or COVID world. So having the ability of being able to make an all cash offer to a seller at the same time, the option of listing the property and kind of the multiple offer strategy is a winning technique. And we're seeing a lot of agents coming to us, maybe about 20% of our customer base right now are coming as real estate agents that either want to be able to offer better solutions, like a cash, an all-cash buyer without ever having to list the property. Or a lot of these agents want to be, you know, they don't want to just have a job and, and be in a brokerage. They also want to acquire and have long-term, you know, passive income. Uh, what I call cash now, cash flow, cash later strategy. So it's pretty cool.
0: So just to go back to the, my original question about Infusionsoft, your advice is you would not recommend that for people in the real estate team or real estate brokerage world to use?
1: I don't see it. I think there's a lot of better platforms that are built for agents or for investors. And Infusionsoft was not built specifically for that market. So I think it, it's almost a square... You know trying to put a square peg in a round, you know in a round hole so no I don't, I don't actually think that that is the best solution without a massive amount of customization and work
0: and you and you did spend a lot of time like optimizing and setting up the automations and in infusion off for custom, for onboarding customers is that accurate
1: uh yeah i mean for instance we have a membership platform as an example uh where we're onboarding our members we also have a lot of advanced training with our a lot of our partners, strategic partners. And so we use Infusionsoft as an example to automatically as somebody comes in being able to turn on specific areas of our membership site, that's all WordPress, you know, it's all internet stuff. So that and also the ongoing, you know, sequence of emails, and all the retargeting ads and things like that, that's a it's really for what I would consider an info marketer. Again, selling you know, a business like realestateinvestor.com, it's a really good process for turning up. If you're, if you're a real estate agent and you're looking to, you know, generate great leads from sellers and nurture those leads and, you know, text and, and phone follow up with a, you know, a phone team, ISA, doing direct mail, that's not, you know, that's not really what Infusionsoft is all about.
0: Did you hire somebody to help you set up all the automation and, inf- and run Infusionsoft?
1: Uh, we did. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, hired, in fact, multiple teams. We've had Infusionsoft uh, for probably eight years that we've been using. And again, realestateinvestor.com is its own CRM. So we have, a, we have a platform that's not Infusionsoft. It was actually custom built. Probably got a million and a half to $2 million of investment money in years of, of building that software product. Specifically, it's a CRM very tailored for marketing and conversion. So, and also a series of done for you services with our, our nonverbal phone team and our expert, what we call sales ninjas that are actually getting on the phone with the seller. So a lead comes in from either a website or pay-per-click or direct mail or cold calling. And then it goes automatically over to the phone team for the phone team to call professionally uh, with a six to eight minute script to qualify screen and schedule appointments. And so that's all built. That's the, that's the realestateinvestor.com platform. And none of that's Infusionsoft. FusionSoft well, I- is just how we actually onboard somebody uh, as a new customer and give I them would- a really good customer journey.
0: Uh, yeah. I just want to commend you on how you set up your automations and you know processing and documenting the customer journey and you know, having the right people within your company assigned to each specific part of that customer journey. So I've definitely picked up on that as a customer of our vault. So it sounds like you've kind of taken the skills and things you've learned and developed over the last ten plus years to put into a kind of a done for you solution for agents to take away all the complications required to set up marketing, automation, lead generation, inside sales and kind of wrapped it up in a in a box to you know, help give uh, some leverage to agents and investors.
1: Yeah, I think that's perfect. And, you know, for the listeners, it might be helpful to give a little background of me and understanding kind of where I came from. So I grew up in a real estate brokerage family and an entrepreneurial family. My dad, um, we had a family business called Real Estate, our Boomershine Realtors. And all of us kids, including myself, were licensed. So three weeks after turning 18, Very long time ago, I just turned 52, which is crazy. But I was a licensed agent from 1987 to 2005, and that's I learned door knocking and cold calling and and paid for college by being a real estate agent. We also had rental property, so I was learning the heart, you know, (laughs) the three T's right, toilets, tenants, and trash, and uh, and so I paid for college. But I went down a little bit of a different path. I got a computer engineering degree and did the Silicon Valley path. I'm right here in the San Francisco Bay Area and um, worked for one of the largest technology consulting firms in the world. And then I was recruited and moved into what's called enterprise sales for four software startups, Um, one that went public and one that got sold to IBM. That was 2004. It was a great experience. I learned a lot about uh, running a business and also how to sell to Executives, and we were selling 500000 to $5 million solutions to the Fortune 1000. Well, I hit a burnout because we had two little babies. I had a two month old and a four year old. And I think in 2003, I had 180,000 miles on United Airlines alone. And I was never home, and it was no life. And my wife and I said, You know what? There's no life here. She, you know, I think I changed four diapers with two kids. That's a true story. And we decided, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and we said, let's get back to our roots and let's take our little nest egg and let's get into real estate investing. And so I went full time, cold turkey, May 17th of 2004 and never looked back. And I think I've done maybe seven or 800 transactions, maybe more, which means, and I do a lot of lending today. I am actively, I just moved out of the Bay Area. We decided to get the heck out of uh, crazy <laughs> San Francisco Bay Area, sold everything, and we were going to leave the state. And I moved up to the mountains, which is where I'm at now. And uh, we, with a family, we've decided to stay here. We love it. Super like-minded people, and uh, it's beautiful. So I dropped some direct mail, and my phone's ringing off the hook. Uh, I looked at three properties yesterday, and there's two that uh, one of two that we'll probably pick up as our primary residence. So I love, I love real estate investing. How this all kind of ties together for the listeners is I knew if you put me in front of a seller, I'm really good at closing deals. I love building solutions for sellers and I love competing and beating out competition. But what I found is it's really hard to find those deals and the type of deals I'm talking about are off-market. These are how do we find, you know, there's 112 million properties on public record. 54% are really uh, non-retail deals. They are typically uh, non-owner-occupied properties that need a lot of work across America. And actually, one-third, actually 30% 30 of all properties in America today are free and clear, have no mortgage. So, I basically, way back when, I took my technology roots and uh, brought in my old team, a small team, to build a little engine, an analytic data driven engine to find me the right properties and then to drip direct mail. And that started in 2005. And then all of a sudden it turned into a company. <laughs> and so, you know, since then we've done over 78 million pieces of direct mail. We're really good at it. And the secret for a lot of people, they're like, oh, direct mail doesn't work. They also would say, you know, Gary, you're a technology guy at heart and you're using the direct mail. Here's the thing. Direct mail is a proven method. If it's done right, it's repeatable, it's scalable and it's predictable, which means I can predict in every market across the country what's going to work best and where. And what's the cost per deal? Like how much do I have to spend to get enough leads that'll turn into good leads, qualified, what I call qualified opportunities that we can then convert into profit and measure that return on investment. And it's really an art and a science. And so most people have no experience. They think, oh, I just pull a list, send out some direct mail and voila, I'm going to make all this money. Well, it really doesn't work that way. That's why most agents don't actually send direct mail. They only do farming and referral-based, networking-based marketing approaches. But there is a a formula. It's very specific. And I'll share with everybody a few things. The mailing list is absolutely critical. So you can't just pull a list from a data provider and expect any results. You're wasting a lot of money going after the wrong stuff. Mm
0: -hmm. Gary, I think what may be useful for the audience is if you could diagnose what I've done in my Real estate group in Austin. Um, sure, sent out hundreds of thousands of pieces of mail, and we tested REI Vault, and we've had a very difficult time finding success, uh, d- generating distressed sellers or generating uh, listings at a you know low enough client acquisition cost to where it can be something we do consistently and so i've i've failed miserably at direct mail and wasted at least half a million dollars and you know we have we have some other uh listing lead sources that work extremely well you know we probably our group in austin probably takes like you know 50 60 70 listings a month and so like we know how to take listings our our, we have a you know great inside sales team but um, every time, everything I've done to generate distressed deals has been very difficult to scale and do, you know, consistently. I'm kind of curious if you could like, you know, maybe it'd be great for the audience to hear how your brain would
1: work to diagnose why we failed. Yeah, sure. What is your, what is your uh, current channel? Like what media are you doing? TV ads? Like how are you driving your listings today? Yeah, What's working best? Radio, TV, and billboards. Awesome, and what's your, what's your average cost per acquisition off of those media sources?
0: It's um, 1,800 bucks.
1: Okay, so if you're doing direct mail in Austin, you're definitely gonna pay more money on the direct mail. You're gonna probably, the cost per acquisition off of direct mail in the Austin area, if you're outside more in the, in the hill country, it'll be less, but you're probably, I would say, you should probably be closer to maybe 2,400 It can come down substantially lower on direct mail. Um, Are you, in terms of your listings, what percentage are coming off of that first phone call, that first phone call off uh, off of a billboard, off of TV, would you say?
0: 70%.
1: Yeah. So direct mail, there's push and pull. So you're going out with direct mail or cold calling or broadcast texting and things like that. You're going out. That's a push the seller. If you are doing pay-per-click, online marketing, uh, TV ads, it's usually kind of a pull, which means they're coming to you. They're seeing your your advertisement. Your conversion is going to be higher off of that first phone call. When you're pushing off of things like direct mail, the follow-up process is key. 97% of the profits are actually going to come after the sixth interaction and follow-up, which means and you can't just one, what I call it has to be omni channel, which means a lead comes in, it needs to go down a long follow up path with text message. It needs a person to get on the phone pretty quickly, especially if it's a distressed type of situation, possibly ringless voicemail and email uh, with very specific wording. And you're going to find that when you're doing that approach, you know, your average turn. From the time that the lead comes in to the time that you actually get the listing or a contract is probably going to be three to four months that's at a a cost now on the real estate investor side it would probably be closer to 2400 if you're a really good agent or agent team doing this you're going to probably be a lot lower because you're going to get some deals that you're going to take down as purchases and you're also going to get listings so for every Three properties you buy, you're probably going to get two listings. So an investor is just focusing on the purchase, okay? So, uh, but it is going to be very, very that those channels where you're going out to the seller, if you're going to make direct mail work, are going to come through follow-up. And it's also very market specific. If you're in Austin, if you're in Phoenix, if you're in San Diego, it's going to be a lot more competitive. Because you know a lot of sellers are receiving a lot of things around direct mail. So, like when somebody comes to us, we'll tell them, you know, we have people that will come in from Phoenix, as an example, and we'll tell them, hey, we don't recommend right now that you actually do direct mail, unless you're prepared to spend close to four to five thousand dollars per acquisition. Now, here's the thing: a lot of people have no problem spending four to five thousand dollars in marketing in Phoenix because their average profit can be, you know, twenty-five thousand. You know, seventy-five thousand, if they're doing fix and flip and things like that.
0: Yeah, I guess you know we're a little bit spoiled in that we have a pretty strong brand in the market, and so it's, you know, our it doesn't take a lot of work for us to convert the you know leads into
1: appointments. Um, Yeah, here's my take for everyone: if you find something that works, you know, (laughs) scale it, right, and grow it. And, you know, don't fix something that's not broken. So if you've got channels like TV and billboards and those work, then scale it up and and continue to refine and, and fine tune it. What I would say for somebody like you is maximize the follow-up if you don't have it in there. But if you, you're already getting 50 listings a month, which is fantastic, but you could probably optimize the follow-up funnel, which is what I call leaky buckets. Most people don't realize, you know, It's expensive to get the initial seller to put up their hand. It might cost, like right now for me up here, I'm in California, I'm spending about, I'm spending about $80 to generate the initial lead. Okay. But it costs me less than $10 or $15 max to follow up with them forever through text follow up and phone follow up, et cetera. So I've got somebody that can actually, you know, follow up for me for, for the long haul. And so I don't mind, I'll take down deals that are nine to 12 to 18 months. I'll give one story. We have a gal on the East coast. Her name was Cheryl and Cheryl was mailing. Like you want to be very consistent on direct mail. So Cheryl was mailing, we were mailing for her, I think two years to the same list of sellers. And she's like, gosh, Gary, shouldn't we clean, you know, clean up, we were cleaning up the list and of course doing that. But she called me and she actually was canceling the service and she goes, I sent me a message. She goes, Hey Gary, can I talk to you? I'm canceling, but it's not because of what you think. She said, you told me I was going to turn off my mail. And she goes, I ended up getting a call from a seller that had six postcards from me that I sent every 90 days. So a year and a half. And she said, I had, the lady said I had those on my refrigerator because I always knew I was going to sell to you. Nobody's worked as hard to build, to earn my business. Cheryl said, I bought 16 houses, fixed them up. And my hus- husband and I made $800,000. And we've decided to take a year off and travel the world. So Mark, the, the things around, you know, direct mail or anything is, re- it's the repetition. It's the, the formula is what's called six M's. And one of them is the repetition. So I don't know if we need to go any deeper than that. Go um, I've got a, I've got a white paper that I, on, on this for people that want to learn, but you know, you might be in a market that doesn't work. You know,
0: I, I appreciate you what. Know. I agree. Like the Austin market, you know, there's about 2000 active listings, you know, we'll be out of houses for sale, like literally zero houses in two weeks. If nothing else hits the market. And there's, you know, over 15,000 agents. So there's seven realtors for every one listing and they're getting and sellers absentee owner lists, for example, and people with high equity and you know, people likely to sell because they've been in it for a long time. They are getting bombarded with direct mail and postcards saying, I'll buy your house in yellow letters. You know, like we would show up on appointments and I um, actually have this, we had this one appointment we went on and uh, they, they hired us to list the house and they gave my listing agent this box of all the marketing collateral that they had received over the last two years. And there were no less than a hundred pieces of mail in this box. I still have this box today. Absolutely mind-blowing, like they kept all this. It's just, it was just crazy to see how much mail they are getting. So, you know, the masterminds, like Collective Genius and some of these seven-figure real estate investment groups and whatnot, the ones that seem like they seem to be having a lot of success are the ones that are in smaller markets, like ancillary markets, you know, like
1: population. Absolutely. It's, you know, here's, here's, here's an analogy. I'm a fisherman. I love fly fishing. And if you're driving on the road and there's 50 people fishing on a river, you're fishing for, you know, what's called they spook the fish. Not a lot of people are going to be catching fish. If you hike up the mountain a little bit away from the people and you're by yourself, you're going to crush it. What happens is when when the same seller gets overloaded, they don't call anything. Uh, The other piece is it has to stand out. So in the competitive markets, we hear consistently, That people, like we hear this from our members, they always ask and we kind of coach them, like, why did they, how many pieces did you get and and, uh, would you collect them for me? And then why did you call me? And it's usually because it stands out. It looks a little different. There's lots of science around that. You know, four by six postcard is an example. Most of the print houses are not doing a true four by six. So you want thick paper? It needs to be at least 110 pound paper. It's got to be good wording. It shouldn't be branded. It's all about the copy. So, but you know, at the end of the day, I got, like in the, San, in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're going to spend five to seven thousand dollars in marketing direct mail to pull down a deal. Uh, you're going to get less than one percent response rate. In, in some cases, you know, less than a half a percent or less than a quarter of a percent response rate. So you got to be if you're doing it, you got to be really on top of the leads, your sales gain, and your follow up has to be absolutely uh, fine tuned. And, uh, where are you-, you know, you can't.
0: I got a quick question for you, Gary. From a macro perspective, the, you know, we're undoubtedly in an asset bubble. Rates are really low, lots of money being printed. Where do you see the opportunity? Maybe it's not even in single family. Like, where do you see the opportunity from an investment perspective over the next? five to 10 years, if I gave you a check for a hundred million dollars, how would you deploy the capital in a reasonable amount of time to return double digit returns to me, the investor? How would you answer those questions?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you asked multiple questions. So first and foremost, I think we are in a euphoric stage of real estate. A lot of people think this is the new normal. I don't. I actually think we are sitting on a massive bubble especially in the areas, the coastal areas. I think we're going to see once the, there's only so much money that you can print and stimulus checks. So that's going to end at some point. You're going to see a lot of businesses fail. You're going to see a, lot of, see a lot of retail shopping centers that are going to fail. Those restaurants are going to fail. They all have houses. So I think we're going to see a massive surplus of inventory, of supply, that's going to change the market for a period of time in the distressed market. And I think that we're going to see a drop in the prices for a period of time. It's it's happened we have a fiat money system. It's happened almost every 7 years for 100 years. We've gone over 12. So, I'm personally being very watchful in how I invest. I'm a lot more conservative. I'm personally I wholesale deals because there's massive buyers. I mean, the buyers right now are make, are, are buying with insane Their numbers don't make a lot of sense. So, I love wholesaling deals. I'm picking up some creative deals. And then, of course, I'm lending. I'm doing a lot of first position lending, which I love. So, I think we're going to see a short term that's probably somewhere between nine and 18 months from now that we're going to see a massive supply and the market's going to turn. And that's going to be a massive buying opportunity for people that are ready for it, followed by massive inflation where property values. Skyrocket. And um, so many of us, I know a lot of guys in CG as well. You were mentioning Collective Genius. A lot of us are watching and, and thinking the same thing. I don't have a crystal ball. I look at the past as an indicator for the future. And I'm very data driven, watching the markets, the inventory, and where the opportunity is. I like outside of the major metropolitans right now, I like to be outside a few counties away. So like in the Bay Area, I haven't marked, I haven't sent direct mail in the San Francisco Bay Area in years. It was working nice from 2009 to about 2013. And then the competition, you know, everybody's mailing, you, you go to every seminar and they teach how to pull an absentee list. And so sellers would get, you know, inundated with direct mail. So, you know, if you had a hundred million, the second question you asked of hundred million and how I would deploy it, I would be preparing for it. I wouldn't be. I would be preparing for the market. I I wouldn't be deploying. I'd be deploying in first position mortgages right now, which is what I'm doing. Low LTV, you know, you know, asset based lending, looking at the downside and preparing for a massive land grab. But I want I'm waiting. So that's that's my thing. I'm raising money right now too, preparing for this my own capital. um, I've gotten into a pretty liquid position and preparing for This massive transfer of wealth that happens in every one of these cycle turns. And I've been, by the way, on my podcast, realestateinvestor.com huddle, I've been talking about this market change for about three years. It's been a seven year cycle. It has always had some, what I call a boogeyman event of some sort. It's not natural supply and demand that changes it. It's usually some event. This event just happens to be COVID. And I think that, you know, the market cycle is going to turn and there's gonna be incredible buying opportunity. So I think that what, right now being conservative.
0: What's this straw that breaks the camel's back to flip this into
1: a buyer's market? The company- when, when the renters stop truly really paying and the people stop making the mortgages because the stimulus money, the little $1,400 checks and things like that stop. And they, the Fed decides that they're not going to bail out like they are, and they're going into a more, they're allowing the properties to cleanse, a cleansing on the market. We're going to see a massive inventory shift, which where's the opportunity is. I think the opportunities will be courthouse steps for foreclosure auctions. We'll see bank-owned REOs again, ticker tapes. I think a lot of the hedge funds are actually, a lot of the hedge funds are either playing the game for the long haul over the next 30 years and going ahead and buying and taking, I mean, Zillow took a billion dollar loss last year. So how many of us can take a billion dollar loss? Not not many, right? So but they're planning, they don't care about the loss because they're planning over the next 30 years. Most of us can't do that. So I think that we're going to see hud properties every cycle change, you know, you don't know it when it's right there in front of you. Usually you look back 6 to 9 months, 12 months and you actually see it. So but we're we're in the middle of it right now. So I think that it's going to happen in the next 6 9 12 months great uh, buying opportunities at a discount with, you know, an increased supply and, um, and then massive inflation, which we're going to want to own physical assets. So that's that's my take. That's what I'm doing personally. And I know uh, a lot of people I personally coach, that's what we're preparing for, which means we're still doing deals today like crazy, but we're just being very watchful in terms of, you know, the numbers and making sure that we're buying properly. The fundamentals have to work.
0: Do you think some of these um, markets, you know, these like more rural markets, do you think they will be uh, affected as, as much compared to some of the, yeah. you
1: know? Uh, I don't. I actually, you know, let's, I, I call, there's four markets that I've seen over my 20 years plus doing this. I call them the hot market, the post hot, the emerging and the flat. So the emerging markets that I think are absolutely fantastic today I would be buying like crazy is things like South and North Carolina. Uh, that's an emerging market, massive growth. You know, the, you can still actually cash flow properties. And, and I'm talking on the single family side. I'm not even talking multifamily, et cetera. The flat markets are, the, are like Omaha, Nebraska, right? It's, it's never gone up or down more than about 6% in these market cycle changes. So I think those are also safe markets. I think things like Phoenix, Las Vegas, Austin, Florida are going to see a lot of pressure. And those are the markets that uh, I think those those people that are ready for it are going to make a fortune. Uh, But I think some people actually, you know, uh, Denver is another example. I know guys that are rehabbers in Denver, and they've been rehabbing for break-even profits. And sometimes at a loss just to keep their large teams afloat. And I think that's the kiss of death. So... That's my take. Cool. I'm excited about it. I think the opportunity is always around, uh, you know, real estate's a cycle. It's like, you know, if you manage the cycle, uh, you can very rarely hit the peak or or the bottom. But if you know what cycle you're in, we're in a euphoric, crazy cycle. And historically, over 100 years, (laughs) we've seen those changes. And I think there's gonna be incredible opportunities for many of us.
0: Gary, what are you reading right now?
1: What am I reading right now? I'm actually I'm probably reading stuff. I'm reading uh the Great Reset by Charles or Klaus Schwab, who runs the World Economic Forum. I'm kind of looking at the global picture of where they think things are going. It's a crazy scary book. Around um, I'm reading another one by Alex Newman. Is that right? Alex Newman. He wrote a book called Deep State. So I'm reading some of that just to get a better perspective of where the global environment is going. Uh, I just finished. I just finished. It is not released yet. I've, I, I just wrote my first book called The Freedom Code, which is everything I've learned in real estate of how to survive and thrive. And uh, that's going to be coming out here in the next couple of months. Um, I can give you guys a site to stay on the list if you want a free copy of that. But uh, it's been on my bucket list forever. But I'm hoping it to be a disruptor book on how to build a business that fits us as opposed to getting stuck. A lot of people get into real estate for financial freedom and freedom of time, and they get lost and create nothing more than a really crappy job. And so my goal with the book is to be able to provide all my lessons and mistakes over the last 17 years, which I've made a lot of mistakes, and be able to share it with others as a disruptive book. It's definitely not a book. It's how to basically look at real estate, the leverage game. And a lot of people understand leveraging money and using other people's money, but they don't understand the value of leveraging other people's time, experience and resources and borrowing resources and doing what other industries do. And so my goal is to be able to share those lessons with everybody.
0: Uh, Just a little tangent here outside of, um, I want to include in the show notes the um, link for the book. And so I'll get that for you offline and we'll put it in the show notes. Are you doing any, any investing in crypto at all?
1: You know, I, I, I do. I kind of missed the mark, but I started buying at 4000 to 15000 And I have a handful of it. I'm definitely a physical metals guy. If people actually heard what I own, they would say, oh, you're a total prepper. <laughs> so. I've I've been acquiring physical metals for a very long time. I think it's a great hedge against inflation. I do a lot of first position mortgages. I got a little Bitcoin. I have a totally different perspective on Bitcoin because I do think we're going to go into a digital currency one way or the other. That's where things are going. It's documented. It's available for everybody to see. And so I think the infrastructure for Bitcoin is going to be leveraged. I'm not sure if Bitcoin is going to be it. So it was at 58000 the last I looked. A little, a little above what I'm uh, doing.
0: What do you think will be the uh, crypto of choice or the digital currency? Do you think the United States will create its own? What do you think uh, you know, people will end up yeah. uh, being drawn
1: to? Well, <laughs> we need a couple of hour podcasts just on that topic. Uh, I think there's two competing ones right now. I think you got one that is a, a Rothschild Federal Reserve-based system that is uh, backed by a passport electronic currency that will eliminate the need for the banks the way that the banks are used. Um, I think it'll be a worldwide currency. That's the one I'm hoping against. And then there's another one that is more a national based backed by the gold standard that I'm hoping for, but less positive. So I think there's two competing ones right now. And um, you know I, I don't I look into it. I'm I'm a just a bigger picture. I, you know there's Republican, Democrat, this thing, that thing. I don't I don't concern myself. I'm, I'm more of a capitalist. I believe in uh, uh, that we're all free to, and I think the United States has been a wonderful place to live for a very long time, and we've had rights and freedom, and I think a lot of that stuff is going away quickly. I I think politically you got nat. There's national, the national side of nationalism. And then you got globalism. And those are the two things. Globalism for me is communism, totalitarianism, Marxism. Some people call it socialism. I don't. I think that's disguised long term. So I'm very much more of a nationalism type of guy looking into how do I maneuver and hedge to basically survive and thrive on where the world's going. And so I watch that just from a standpoint of uh, where things are going to go, because it it could be pretty dark and time-consuming and people get all conspiracy theorists on you. I'm a conspiracy realist, and I just look at the global picture and try to make my bets based on that. So I'm not putting a lot into Bitcoin, just from my own perspective long-term. I think the infrastructure is the play, the infrastructure around blockchain and all the technology that will ultimately be used to support the new system but I, th- I see a 100% chance from my perspective on an electronic currency that's coming sooner than we, than we think. In place by 2025 or 2030, for ultimately. That's what's documented.
0: Gary, this has been a great conversation. So if people want to um, get on your list for the book, you want to tell us just verbally what it is and then I'll put in the show notes.
1: Yeah, let's see. The best place to go is, I'm going to give this to everybody, realestateinvestor.com forward slash Gary gifts, uh, Gary, G-A-R-Y dash gifts. Uh, Yeah. So realestateinvestor.com forward slash Gary dash gifts. And then if you would like, you can send an email to info at realestateinvestor.com and ask for the book. And we'll put you on the list to get a copy, a free copy of it. So, either of those places, and just let us know. That's the easiest place. I haven't announced it. I, at some point, I will have a, uh, we're, we're doing the final editing and revisioning of it. It'll be called the Freedom Code. So, excited about it. So, if anybody wants a copy, just email info at realestateinvestor.com or you can go to realestateinvestor.com forward slash Gary Gifts, G I F T S.
0: And, Gary, what's the name of your podcast?
1: It's Real Estate Investor Huddle. Got it. Cool. Yeah.
0: Well, Gary, thanks for being on the show today. If you, again, if you guys are tuning in for the first time, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, Gary, you put out a lot of great uh, insight and content. People should definitely check out your uh, new book. Like I said, at the very beginning of the show, I was really impressed by the process side of things when I signed up with RE Vault as a customer. And unfortunately didn't work out in my market, but um, I have tested it in other markets and it's been very effective. And um, I am grateful to have had you on the on the show today. We've had some interesting conversations outside of real estate, and um, you know it's great to hear your perspective on where the market's going, and a little bit about crypto. Hey, I you know what? I, I bet I bet um, you know there's so many people trying to disrupt the real estate brokerage industry. I think the industry that's going to get disrupted is the title industry with blockchain technology. So, uh,
1: absolutely. Uh,
0: Thank you so much for being on the show, Gary. Everybody, go check out Gary's book. Get on the list to get a copy of his book. This guy is, uh, you know, one of the foremost experts in the investment world for real estate, and uh, knows his stuff. Um, again, for anybody tuning in for the first time, be sure to hit that subscribe button, and uh, you can check out our private Facebook group, the Chris Waters Rainmaker Alliance page, and you can also watch this on YouTube if you ever want to catch the video side of it. Uh, until next time, bye, everybody. Want more CEO secrets? If so, you can get a free copy of my book, The Million Dollar Real Estate Team at www.themilliondollarrealestateteam.com for free. Inside this book, you'll find my top secrets that we've used to net $1 million in just three years.